we know as lost souls and we've been talking about knowing God and how um, well we know God and we talked last time we were together on having a dependency upon God when we really become acquainted with him we trust in him we depend on him because we know that you know God he has our back He's our refuge, he's our fortress, he's our present help in the time of trouble. He's everything that we need because he knows what we're in the need of even before we ask. And I know that's just um, a wonderful and awesome God to know our needs before we even know what we're in the need of. And the thing is, he has already supplied them. Even before there was a need, God had already made provision for that need. So we're just waiting on the manifestation of what we already have. But I want to go a little bit further tonight. We've been talking about Abraham and how Abraham relied on God. He trusted in God. He didn't know where he was going, but he took God at his word. And by him taking God at his word, God counted Abraham to be righteous because he believed God. He didn't doubt God. So if we could stand in the place of Abraham today, in which we do through Jesus Christ, our faith is in what Jesus has done on our behalf. We can't even have faith in ourselves. We have to have faith in him and him alone. So by Abraham doing that, he obtained the promise that God had given him. And that's what we have to do to obtain what we already have. We have to have faith in him and not in ourselves. Meaning that no matter how bad it looks, no matter how it may appear to be, the time that we spend with God and become acquainted with God, when situations pop up in our lives, we can hold on to that promise that God has given us outside of what, you know, our five senses are telling us. And God did create, create us with five senses, but he don't want us to depend on the five senses. He wants us to depend on him. Because we know that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. So even though we cannot see it, we still believe it because we trust God based on what he said and not based on what that situation is showing us. So Abraham, he trusted, he depended on God. But I want to um, start with um, talking about being separated and what does it mean to be separated all of us that have accepted Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior, we recognize that sin separated us from God before we accepted him. When we look in Isaiah 59, verse 2, this is what Isaiah 59, verse 2 is saying. So I'm getting into separation because I believe sometimes we don't understand what it means to be separated. Some of us do understand, but we still do what the world is doing, so it's not showing them that we have been separated from them. In Isaiah 59, let's look at verse 1. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So what was happening here is the children of Israel, they were being rebellious. They were going outside of what God um, wanted them to do. So by them going outside of what God wanted them to do, 
Their sin was separating them from God. God was hiding his face from them. God would not hear them. So before we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, sin did separate us. But because of what Jesus did on our behalf, on our behalf when he laid down his life for us, when he shed his blood on our behalf, there was no more separation from us and God. But what had to happen was, since sin was dealt with through Jesus, we had to accept Jesus in order for us to be reconciled unto God. So some people look at, they're looking at sin, but sin has already been taken care of. What have separated us was sin, but Jesus paid the price for all sins, for past, present, and future sins. So if people are saying, you know, I can't get saved because... You know, I'm still doing this, I'm still doing that. Jesus took care of all of those things, so we must come to him in order to get to the Father. But the part I want us to see on tonight is, once we become born again, once we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we don't stop there. And some people don't realize that your spirit is what got born again. That's the new you. Your spirit had to be recreated because your spirit was dead. Once we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we acknowledged that we were separated from God because of sin, but because of what Jesus done, it brought his blood brought us nigh unto the Father. Once we recognize that, there is no more separation. Sin has been dealt with once and for all through the blood of Jesus Christ. But the next part of that is the spirit got saved. That's the part of us that got saved. That's the part of us that's sealed until the day of redemption. That's the part of us that the enemy cannot touch. He cannot touch your spirit. Your spirit is vacuum packed. Your spirit is where God dwells. So the enemy cannot touch that. But your soul, your mind, will, and your emotion is where the enemy is coming in at. Because he knows if he can get your will... If he can get your mind, if he can get your emotions, this is what your body is going to do. It's going to follow after your soul. So what we want to do is make sure that our soul is lining up with our spirit because our spirit have everything we need from God. Then our body is going to follow the spirit and it's not going to follow the patterns that we followed before we got born again. So that's why, look again at Romans 12.1. We're so familiar with this verse. Now remember I said your spirit is what got saved. Your soul did not get saved. So it's something that we have to do in order to connect to the real you, which is your spirit. This is why Paul told them, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So why did Paul tell them that you have to present your body as a reasonable sacrifice? It is because the spirit was made new. The soul have to be renewed on a daily basis. If that soul is not renewed, that body is going to cut up just like it's not saved. That body is going to act out just like it's not saved. That's why he said... Brethren, make your body a living sacrifice. We have to make our bodies a living sacrifice. Our bodies have to line up with the new you, which is your spirit. The only way it will line up, verse 2 tells you, be not conformed. 
That means don't be patterned after the, you know, after what the world is doing. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform means change. And God reminded me of that today as I was walking the dog today. And all of a sudden, something just went by my face real quick. And I'm like, what was that? And I looked up and I saw a beautiful yellow butterfly. And the Lord reminded me how that butterfly was before it became a butterfly. It was an ugly caterpillar. Y'all know what caterpillars look at. Some people would say, oh, that's beautiful. No, I look at a caterpillar as creepy and ugly. So when I see one, I just want to back up off of it or get ready to stomp it. But that caterpillar want to be transformed. That caterpillar want to be changed into something beautiful. And sometimes we don't give that caterpillar a right to do that. We just say, you just dead. We just going to kill you. So once that caterpillar changes something beautiful, it don't look like what it was, right? So that's what he's saying here. Before we were tore up from the flow up, we was just spiritually dead. But once we accepted Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, our spirit became alive. There was life in us. But we do, did not know about that life because if we don't go into the word of God and be transformed and change into whom you are according to your spirit, you will still live like that caterpillar. But that's not who you really are. God wants all of us to be transformed and changed into that beautiful butterfly that has that freedom that's just flying, you know. So then he said in verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. That's conformed, you know, taking on the patterns of the world. Don't be adapted to what the world is doing, but be ye transformed. See, Paul is telling us how we should be transformed, changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You cannot prove what the good and acceptable will of God is. You will not be able to know that. Until your mind has been transformed and changed. And this is why people are still cutting the food. People are still doing stuff according to the world. is because they are conforming to the patterns of the world. But yet they say, I'm saved. But the life that they're living don't line up with what they're saying. See, when the soul really get transformed and it begins to change your body, your outer appearance. This is what I want you to get. The outer appearance is not going to be changed until the inter, which that soul is part of the inner part, becomes changed and transformed. Like daddy was up here on Sunday, bless his heart. Talking about how the woman was twisting in front of him and she about 80 years old. And he said, now you know you too old. For... See, her, she's still trying to be young. She's still trying to catch a man. She's still trying to do those things because she has not been transformed and changed in her mind. So her body is doing what she's thinking. She want to get a look. She wants somebody to look at her. Just like older men, they know they're getting old. That's why they color their hair. Women color their hair because when they see gray, they say, oh, no, I ain't ready to be gray-headed. I want to stay with black hair. Nobody can't see my gray hair. And then you're looking just like your hair is looking so they know something ain't right, okay? There's a difference. But when the glory of the Lord get upon you like it was upon Moses, that's different. But until that time, we have to understand that if die, run out. 
What are you going to do? Some people done found their own formula. They don't need no diet. They done found stuff to help them out a little bit. So what we have to do is we have to be transformed through the word of God. And if you're not in the word of God to be transformed, then you're not going to be whom God has created you to be in the spirit. So this is what happened. And I'm going back here. I always go back to Genesis dealing with Adam and Eve. Understand that Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, the spirit, soul, and body, every bit of them was whole. Every bit of them, spirit, soul, and body was whole. There was no sin there. They were living as, um, you know, free. They didn't have all this stuff coming upon them. The enemy knew this. So what the enemy did was, guess what? He could not touch them as far as that spirit which was in them but let me tell you what he did he knew he said I can't get you from inward but I'm gonna mess with you outwardly this is what temptation does to us today the enemy know he said now that you're born again and this is where I'm going when they were in that garden he had to find some way to touch them outwardly see he wanted sin to come within So the only way he can do it was give them something outwardly that they had to grab hold to. And then that would bring sin, you know, upon the whole world. So what did he use? He used something God told them not to do. That's temptation. The only way he could do it was to tempt them. So what was the enemy trying to do? The enemy was trying to get in so he would bring it on the outside that's that body so people would know that okay that person is this or that person is that because the body reacts to only what you think your body is only going to act according to how you think y'all whatever you think is what you become when you see people flirting they had to think about that flirting process first when you see people fornicating they had to think about fornicating first Any sin, people have to really think about it before they react on doing it. And sometimes they can hold it in for so long, but sooner than later, it's going to come out one way or the other. It's going to come out through the way you dress. It's going to come out through the way you talk. It's going to come out through the way that you look at a person. And they're going to know, you lusting. You are truly lusting because the lust is there. Because they have not been transformed. They have not been changed by the renewing of their mind for who they are now that they're in the spirit. This is why the Bible tells us that we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. Why? Because the new is in your spirit. The old is that old sinful nature that we used to have. Why am I going this far back? Because I'm taking you somewhere dealing with this separation. Now that we're born again, so we know sin did separate us, but Jesus done away with sin. So sin is not separating anybody anymore from God, not even the sinner. But the only way you can get to God to be reconciled to him is through Jesus Christ. So it's not the sin that's going to send anybody to hell. It's not accepting Jesus Christ and what he did. That's what's going to send people to hell. So the enemy know if I can get you to focus so much on your sin instead of what Jesus done because of your sin, then you won't be saved. Any smart? 
He want everybody to focus on what they want to stop doing instead of focusing on what Jesus have already done for you. So this is where I'm going. So we see that Jesus broke that wall, that, that separation that was between us and God. But now that we are born again, I went over in Romans 12, 1 and 2, what we have to do. This is what the enemy is doing. And I'm going to go back even more into the Old Testament where when um, God told the Israelites that when they go around all these nations, these nations supposed to see them different. These nations do not supposed to see them like they are. They supposed to stand out among these nations. Let's look at it. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4, verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 4, verses 6 through 8. And I'm going to read it in another translation. I think if we really go into the word of God and know what the word of God is saying, we will begin to shout for joy, knowing that we don't have to do it ourselves. We will know what he's already done. Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8 says... Obey these laws. I'm reading out the expanded Bible. Obey these laws carefully. Keep guard and do obey in order to show the other nations that you have wisdom and understanding discernment. When they hear about these laws, they will say this great nation of Israel is wise and understanding. No other nation is as great as we are. Their gods do not come, their gods do not come near them, but the Lord our God come near when we pray to him. And no other nation has such good teaching and commands as those I'm giving you today. So what God is saying, when you go before these nations because of these laws that you have, because of my way of doing, they're going to know, okay, they're not part of this nation. So this is how it's supposed to be for us. When you are born again and you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're still going to be in this world. But this world is going to know that you're not of this world. Why? Because you're different. You do not do the things that the world does. And this is why God gave them these laws to go by so these nations would know you don't serve the God that we serve. Your God is above our God. Your understanding, your wisdom is way above our wisdom, our understanding. So if we're in the world, we're not of the world, and we're not going to do what the world does. So this is where I'm going to go back with me. Well, we hadn't been there yet. The second Corinthians, the sixth chapter. And I want to show you in here about being separated. Still talking about being separated. And in the book of Corinthians, um, Paul is talking to Christians. He's talking to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. And I'm going to read it, expand it again. And this is what it says. Do not join yourself to, become partners with, be mismatched, unevenly yoked with unbelievers. Good and bad do not belong together. For what partnership has righteousness and wickedness and lawness? Light and darkness cannot share together. Or what fellowship, partnership can light have with darkness? How can Christ and Belial, which is Satan, have any agreement, harmony, accord? What can a believer have together, sharing in common with a non-believer? 
What agreement union can the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk with them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So basically God is saying light and darkness does not mix. They cannot come into harmony. They cannot come into unity. Why? Because light represents God. Darkness represents Satan. It represents evil. So he's telling you, you cannot mix with unbelievers. You cannot share a relationship with an unbeliever. Why? Because you're light and they're darkness. If you are amongst unbelievers, your light should shine um, within those unbelievers where they will know you're not a part of us. Why? Because you're not doing what they are doing. Because when you hang around unbelievers, you're going to end up doing what they're doing. You're going to end up acting like they're acting. You're going to become what they are becoming because it's, it, it seems like it's normal to you. So this is why he said you got to separate yourself. When you separate yourself, you move apart from them. You're not in the, in the mix of them. I give you an example, and I told y'all this before. When I got saved and my life had changed, and nobody didn't have to tell me my life changed because I knew that there was a change immediately. When God comes to live on the inside of you, a change does take place. And you recognize that change because you don't want to do what you used to do no more. Things will come at you and tempt you and try to get you to do what you used to do. But you realize deep on the inside, you haven't come to know it yet. But you know change have taken place, but you have not gotten into the word of God to know what has taken place. But you know a change has So when I went back to work and I sat with these same group of women and each time we would sit together, somebody would come in the cafeteria and man, we would bash them. We would sit there and talk about them. We would laugh about them. Look, look, look at that. Do you see that? Do you see that? Just picking on people. And it was normal. We just got good laughs. Now grown women, y'all can look at me funny, but some of you still doing it safe. Grown women talking about people. You know, just saying, why they do this? Da, 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 da. And I remember after I got saved, I was sitting to the same table with these same women. And as I warmed up my lunch, the same pattern began to start again. Y'all, it was like I just got sick on my stomach. It was like, this ain't right. I can't be sitting here doing this no more. So that day after lunch, I cried out to God and I said, God, this is not right. Show me what to do. I only had 30 minutes for lunch, y'all. And I had met this Christian lady, and and she worked not even five minutes away from me. What I did, I took my 30 minutes, and I went where she was for those 30 minutes. And I separated myself from amongst those ladies that I was eating with every day. Why? Because that was not me no more. You know, I didn't dislike them, but I didn't like what they were doing. And I said that was affecting me and I knew it was wrong and I didn't want to be amongst what was wrong. I was a young Christian in Christ. I hadn't been saved that long, so I had to change my way of doing. And I remember as I grew in Christ and I remember I met Jennifer and I was hanging around some Christian folks, not Christians. And I'm thinking that they okay. You know, you thinking because somebody is saved, they're okay, right? But the more I hung around them, it seemed like there was a 
a wall there between us. You know, we talked, but it just seemed like something wasn't right. So when the Lord prompted me to Jennifer and I began to minister to Jennifer and help Jennifer, the same Christians that I was hanging around began to tell me I was being discriminated. I was discriminating against them because I was hanging with her because Jennifer was white and they was black. Now they used the race card on me because I quit eating lunch with them. And I started ministering to her because I knew she needed me. I knew she needed what I had. So I just quit eating lunch with them. So I figured they're Christians. They should understand. No, they threw me under the bus. They even went to my boss. A minister went to my boss and told my boss, I'm talking about God too much. A minister, somebody that preached the gospel, went to the boss and told him I was talking about Jesus too much because I was ministering to her. So what am I telling you? I left the ones that were not saved or the ones that was confessing Christ, but the life wasn't lining up with Christ. But then I came into some more believers that I thought their lives were lining up by what they were saying to me and how they was witnessing to me. But when I began to witness to someone else and I stopped eating lunch with them, then they were mad at me. And their very words was, oh, you done got white on us now? You done done left us and you're going to be with her? And this is the funny part, and Jennifer know this. The man was married to a white woman. Yeah. So I'm sitting up there, you know, saying, okay, what's the problem? Well, why you don't eat with her no more? You used to eat with her all the time. I said, because I'm doing some other stuff that the Lord is leading me to do. It's no problem with y'all. They couldn't understand that. So they started bashing me. They started talking about me. And this is what the enemy does. When you do good, evil is always present. Now, the very ones that I thought was more Christ-like than the first set of people, what they did when I got demoted, they joined forces with the people that was in the office and came against me and they started talking to my enemies and just walking past me like I was nothing. So what am I saying? We got to understand really what separation is. We out to please God and not man. When you trying to please man, you're looking at what a person is doing wrong and you're taking that wrong as right because you want to keep them in your family You want to keep them as your friend per se. But God tell us we have to separate ourselves. Light and darkness does not mix. When we know something is wrong, um, you know, if we're in the midst of sin, we have to turn away from sin. We don't stay in the midst of it when we know what the word is saying. So this is what the enemy does not want. He does not want you to get into the word on a daily basis. Why? Because he know by you not getting into the word of God on a daily basis, you will fall for any and everything. You will say that good is, what is the scripture that says people are looking at good as evil and evil as good, sweet as bitter and bitter as sweet. So this is what people see. We got some Christians that would not know evil if it slapped them in the face because they done got so accustomed to what the world is doing that they think is right. And I want to say this. This is what I have learned. We got to mature in Christ. 
We have to grow up in Christ and the only way we can mature in him is by getting into this word on a daily basis and asking the Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to open our eyes and allow us to see, you know, the word of God. This is why Paul gave those prayers to the Ephesians that he was telling them, Lord, you know, ask for the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, that the eyes of our heart is being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in Jesus Christ, and the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are the things that we have to ask him to open up our eyes, allow us to see If you're never in truth, you will never see. I don't care how long you've been saved. Your soul didn't get saved. So until you get the junk out of the trunk, this is what I'm saying. Your spirit is so full of God. But until you renew your mind, it don't matter how full your spirit is of God. You're going to keep thinking the same thing, doing the same thing. And you're going to think it's okay because I am saved. There is a change that not only occur inwardly, but that inward change is supposed to come outwardly so people know who you are now that you're in Christ without you standing up in church and telling them. The life you live speaks. You don't have to tell nobody you saved. They're going to know that you're different by what you do. If somebody is out there, if I'll give you this example. Four County, when my husband worked there, they used to have Christmas dinners all the time. And we used to go all the time to those dinners. But after we got saved and accept Jesus, we went to the dinners. But then when it was time for the dancing to go on, guess what we did? We went home. Because that was not a part of us no more. We didn't condemn nobody for what they did. We didn't. Because that's, that's what they choose to do. That's what they choose to do. We sure didn't get the mic and say, oh, you heathens going to hell, professing Christ. We didn't do all that. We didn't have to do all that. You still love people, but you don't go up there and try to bust up their stuff because you want to make them do what you're not doing. And some of us are doing that today, calling people heathens, and we're not even living like we're supposed to be living, right? But we left. So each time, not only us, it was other Christian couples that left as well. So we would leave when the dancing would start. No disrespect. We just tell everybody, you know, we're leaving. Guess what? They got to know who we were. We didn't have to tell them. We didn't sit there and try to shake a tail feather just to fit in. We didn't do none of that. And some of us do it because our friends are doing it. And I remember this. When the change came in my life, and it wasn't in my husband's life, when God was transforming me and, and you know, I was almost there, when we used to go to those parties, I never forget My husband had a friend that worked with him at Four County. And it seemed like everything that friend did, that man over there, he wanted to do. He, You remember that friend? Mm -hmm. Thank God for Jesus, y'all. Thank God for Jesus. So we were sitting there. My husband looked at me. He said, you want to dance? I said, no. So he left me alone. You remember this? Next thing I know, my husband looked at me again. He said, you want to dance? No. He wouldn't leave me alone. The next time he asked me, I said, no. (laughs) I embarrassed him. (laughs) Y'all laughing. But yes, I did. I did it. 
If no is no, it's still now. <laughs> See, when you change, when you change, people, are you getting there for change? Don't look at me one out of the one side. Some of y'all need to learn now. Do anybody know what no mean? When you love yourself some Jesus now, and you're trying the best you can to live for him, that junk in the trunk of anger is going to come out when you're trying, but that ain't the way. That ain't the way. You're supposed to speak truth and love. I did it the wrong way, y'all. But I learned over the years. So what I'm saying is, when a husband and wife are together, if that wife gets saved before that husband, and that husband says he loved that wife, just like Mary and Joseph. Mary was carrying Jesus before she married Joseph, was she not? And Joseph wanted to stone poor Mary, but God got on Joseph, and Joseph ended up sticking with Mary. So if, if you're dating or whatever's going on and you may accept Jesus before that boyfriend or that girlfriend, if they love you, they will respect whom you're serving. But if they keep pestering you, trying to make you do stuff outside of Jesus, then they got to go. They got to get to stepping. That's separation. Somebody got to stand for what's right. Oh, I'm, I'm going here tonight because I don't care how good a person is or how good they talk. You got to know what they stand for. Because the Satan was good, wasn't it, when he went in the Garden of Eden? He used the serpent and everything God made was good. That serpent had a good character about him, did he not? Mm-hmm. But when Satan came in and used him, guess what? He bowed down to Satan. So you, you got to look at what people stand for, people. You just can't look at because somebody's nice to you. You got to know what they stand for. My husband can be nice to me all day long. But if the spirit tell me I, I, I'm something behind that, he wants something. Something behind him being nice. He's trying to come up on you to get that truck. <laughs> we don't play like that, y'all. I'm just using it for an example. He being too nice. He let me buy all these pocketbooks and all this stuff. He being too nice. And then the Holy Spirit let me know why he nice. See, just because you nice don't mean it in something behind that. That's why you need discerning the spirits, y'all. And that's why, see, this is why, y'all, I just love the word so much because I trust no one. I love you. But I trust God more than I trust anyone. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. I love my husband. I love my daddy. I love my family. But I trust God more than I trust them all. And if anybody in this room says, people that save say, but I, I, I just trust my kids. You ain't been long enough with Jesus. Because how many know your kids will let you down? Come on, who? Come on, how many really know your children will let you down? They'll let you down. They can be smart. They can be this or that or the other. But they make mistakes. 
This is why y'all, our lives have to show even our children whom we serve. We don't even bow down for our children when it comes to God. We don't even give them what they want in our house when we love God. We let them know, as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And let me tell you something. You'll get tested to see how separated you are when it comes to Jesus. Because my son, Jolly Green, giant Jesus, thank you, Lord, is bringing back memories. Come on back. Come on back. Come on back. <laughs> I had to really know that I trusted God with that one. Because he tried us. Lord knows he tried us. My baby could look you dead in the face and answer yes when you knew it was no. Amen, honey? And I'll look at him. i say, you're lying. That's what you're doing. You're just telling a lie. Tell the truth. Shame the devil, boy. He'll back up and say, yeah, mama, you were right, but you were right all along. But you think I was going to tell you was right because you were going to keep fussing if I told you you were right. Y'all know how them kids do. So God even used us so we can help our kids separate from whom they are around before it's too late. Did y'all know that? God will tell us. I remember we had... um some people to stay with us. And, and let me put it this way. Everybody use this card. That's my cousin, ain't it? That's my cousin, mama, ain't it? I said, boy, let me tell you something. I don't care who you say they are. Now, I'm telling you what I see in that cousin. Something ain't right. They're sneaky. <laughs> mama, everybody you see, they got to be this, that, or other. I said, let me tell you something. Something ain't right. You can say what you want because when they pass by my room, they look like they're giving me the evil eye. Something ain't right. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I say, you better separate from that because you're going to end up getting in some trouble with that. Now, hear what I say. And guess what? Sooner than later, things start to happen. But they are never going to admit that they got warned. Only thing we can do is warn them. They have to find out on their own. We tell them, separate from that one. God loves them, but they don't want to quit doing what they separate. Well, how you know what they do? And I say, I can only tell you this, separate. So what am I saying, y'all? Separating is a big part of our Christian lives. The more you spend time with God, the more you don't want to do what you used to do. Why? Because Jesus took care of what you used to do. And even when you sin like David, David knew he supposed to went to battle that day. But he went on that roof and he saw Bathsheba and they named her right Bathsheba. She was bathing herself and David's eyes probably was out of his head. Just like some of you men, out of your head. Pop him back. But David, what did he do? David watched Bathsheba and the the... The more he looked at her, the more he wanted her. See? The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The more you look at something, the more you want it. The more you see yourself with it. So he going to say, find out who she belonged to. He found out and he still slept with that woman. She slept with him because he was the king. And then what did he do? By lusting after this woman, it led to lies, it led to murder. But guess what? One thing I love about David, 
When David did that, what did he say? I didn't sin against man. I sinned against God. So we have to recognize if we don't separate ourselves, that means we got to flee from this just like Joseph did. Joseph fleed from Potiphar's wife because he knew it was a sin to have her. So what did he do? He left and then she lied on him. He went through for it, but he separated himself. Men, don't tell me you cannot separate yourself. Joseph did it. If you in the word of God, stay in there with Joseph. Say, if Joseph ran for his life, I can run for mine. Because if I don't run for my life, Willie, niece going to kill you. <laughs> I can pick on Willie like that. <laughs> you better run from something. Because if you ain't going to run from God, you better run from that wife. So this is what I'm saying. We have to learn how to separate ourselves and the Lord will forewarn us whom we are around is not good. We have to learn to do these things. So the reason why I'm bringing separation in this is because it's not hard to separate when you know God. It's not hard to leave things alone when you know him. Look at Abraham. Abraham, he left his family. He left what he was familiar with. Why? Because God wanted Abraham to himself. Because God was using Abraham to be a father of many nations. Not only did he separate Abraham from his father's house, look what he done. After Abraham slept with Hagar, guess what God did? After Ishmael come forth, Sarah told him to sleep with Hagar. The Can you imagine a wife telling... You can't even imagine that, can you, Will? You would have to have your wife head checked, wouldn't you? Can you imagine? Julia, would you tell? Julia, tell me, uh-uh, uh-uh. So she going to tell him, I want a child. You go sleep with my, my maid. And you know Abraham ain't had no problem with that. He just walked right on in that tent and tell me, I got permission, girl. My wife gave me permission. So then here come another nation that we're dealing with because of what Abraham done. But guess what God did not do? Sarah, he listened to Sarah. When Ishmael come forth and then Isaac come forth, there was two nations. There was light and there was darkness. But the promise was with Isaac. So Sarah, the same one told him to sleep with the maid told Abraham, you got to get rid of Ishmael. Come on, y'all. That's his son. That was his son as well as Isaac. But he was not the promised seed. He was not the one that God had promised, just like Jesus. He's the one that laid down his life for us. So what did God tell Abraham? Abraham went to God and God said, you do like Sarah told you to do. You got to get rid of Ishmael, but my promise that I gave you concerning Ishmael, I'm going to keep that promise. He's going to be a great nation, but he cannot stay with Isaac. Isn't that something? So there had to be a separation. Why? Because it was light and there was darkness. So the darkness had to leave. So what am I saying? I'm I'm going a little bit further. Here's Isaac. Guess what Abraham done again? The sons that he had with the concubines. He gave Isaac more and he sent those other sons from around Isaac. Separation has to take place. So when we know 
that separation has to take place, God still give us a choice whether or not we're going to separate or not. So anything that takes us away from God, we supposed to separate from it. I'll give you a, a true story. Um, God has shown me this movie last night. I'm going to give you two of them. One movie was this man, he was in love with the, a girl in his senior year, and he went off to college. She was, had one more year in high school, and they talked back and forth. They were in love. They kept up with each other. But then one day he realized that was his first love, that he really hadn't dated nobody else, and he felt like he needed to see other women, so he broke it off with her. He broke it off with her. Later on, up in the years, he got married. He married a woman. They had two girls. And all of a sudden, after, what was it, 17 years, the wife said she didn't want him no more. He was very hurt. She was seeing different men, and he didn't even want to hear her name. He couldn't even stand to see her face because he said him and his daughters, they were Christians. The wife was a Christian. He was a Christian. They were raising their children the right way. The girls was praying with their father about the mother coming back home so they can be united. It didn't happen. So the father was bitter with God because he figured that, okay, this is what you wanted from me, God. Why is she not here? Long story short, to get him over his hurt and his disappointment, what he did was he went back to his first love which was the girl he really loved, the one he should have married, and he started fantasizing about her. So he told his best friend in the office how he felt, and the best friend said, that's wrongful thinking. That's not what God would want you to do. What you need to do is you need to get before God. You need to develop your relationship more with him so that hurt and that pain that you're having over you know, your wife, you can get through it and not with your first love because that's over and done with. What this man did, he met another woman when they went to counseling. They had this counseling group dealing with homes that was messed up through divorce. And the girl that he was talking to in there had the same problem he had. She went back to her first love, but she said, I went back to him and I didn't date him no more, but I had fantasies because I was trying to get over my hurt. And that's what you're trying to do, but he didn't want to hear it. His final plan was he found out where she was, which she was married again. He said, I'm just going to see her, and I'm just going to tell her how I felt about her. And they said, what good is that going to do? You're going to try to break up her marriage like your marriage is broken up. This man traveled, went to see this woman. Nothing changed, not even on her end. So he ended up dating this other girl. What was happening? He was trying to fulfill how he was feeling through another relationship. Even though he was saved, he was not developing his relationship with God because he had a problem with God because he felt like God should have brought his family back together. The second one is something y'all probably already heard concerning a pastor who was married for 17 years. And this pastor ended up having an affair with another woman. So they sat him down from pastoring, and this pastor was very famous. He even had um, people coming to him, like stars and celebrities and stuff like that, coming to him, and he had over 100,000 members. He was building a church up. Come to find out, after they had sat him down, he said that 
basically, you know, it wasn't an ongoing thing. But guess what, y'all? The one that he was sleeping around with began to tell it was a five-month thing and it was off and on. And that they really loved each other and she could not believe. But this is the point I'm getting to. She was a Muslim. And what did the word of God say? Light and darkness. Don't mix. But he was behind the pulpit. Teaching the people that was following him differently. But guess what he did? He stood up to what he done. But the lady he was having the affair with said, yes, he did bring this to light. But he lied. We were seeing each other for a long time. He got caught by his wife through emails. What am I saying? What if his wife didn't catch him? Would he have confessed what he done? He got caught. So he had no other choice but to confess his mess. And by the grace of God, I pray with the apology that he has given that he turn away from that. And that he really turned his heart towards God. Light and darkness don't mix. Men and women, when you meet other male uh, friends or other female friends, you don't meet them outside of your husband or outside of your wife. You don't do that. I don't meet men outside of my husband. If I have to talk to a man, my husband is there. If he have to talk to a woman... I'm there. Why? Because somebody will set you up. You have loose women and you have men that have a perverted spirit that will try to get the woman to believe I can give you more than that husband can give you. The devil know how to do it. So this is why you have to develop your relationship so much with God that you are able to discern what's around you, what's good and what's evil. Because everybody that come in your face that's acting like they're so good ain't good. And some men, and I'm just going to say this, some men are so naive. They wouldn't know a loose woman if they put up, took all the clothes off. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. And a woman have to look at the man and say, do I have to slap you in the face to let you know what's going on? Because some men who just sit there and laugh, oh, ain't nothing going on with that girl. That's just who she is. No, that's just who you are. Because if you can't tell that that woman is that loose, something is wrong with you. So this is why I say we have to know the difference. And the only way we're going to know the difference, y'all, is through the word of God. So God wants us to separate ourselves from things. If he done away with sin, God knew he was going to be tempted. He knew temptation was going to come. But when temptation comes, we're supposed to be able to resist it through the word. And if you're not in the word, you're not even going to know you tempted. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not going to know you're tempted. You, and some women just want a man to say how good they look. They ain't thinking about being tempted. They just hearing a man say, did that man know what he got? I mean, you look good. Not today, but every day. You only see me every day. What you talking about? See, this is what some of them dried up lines, but some women fall for it because they're not getting that at home. They don't have a husband that, that, that talk about how good they look today or how da, 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 da. So if a man come and tell them that, they want to hear all that sweet stuff because they want to throw it on their husband and say, at least somebody's noticing me.
So this is what the enemy does. So this is why we have to stay in the word and know the difference in single women. Some of you that's been, <laughs> some of you that's been single so long and still looking for somebody. Somebody want to buy you a burger and you take it. And you know you ain't hungry. You know you can buy yourself a burger. <laughs> but somebody come up on you after 20 years and you shop. Yep. Or they look like chocolate. See, the devil know how you like them. And they got a gap. He know how you like them. So what he do? He bring that chocolate man with a gap. And with some muscles. And next thing you know is, oh God, you're sitting to me, but he's married. Left out the married part. You don't care about the married part. You're just looking at the chocolate, the gap, and the muscles. Right, Athea? Y'all know that ain't Athea. Athea don't do nothing like that. <laughs> so this is what the enemy does. He sets you up. He entrapped you because he know your weakness. The enemy sent his little nymphs to watch you when you ain't in the word. The enemy know who's in the word because... Some people are easily trapped. Anyone that ain't planning in this word, you're easily uprooted. Some of y'all are uprooted just for a steak and some baked potato and some shrimp. Feed me. One man can wine and dine you for a week. And that was all his money he had. That was all he got. And you telling everybody how rich and famous this man is. Now that's your man. You done heard tonight on being separated. But that don't matter. Somebody loved me. I'm riding in a nice car with this man and I'm smiling. And this man, the cop's looking for. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't know? No, you don't know. Because that's what you've been looking for. And the enemy know. This is why the more you get into the word of God, the more you can separate yourself. That's what I'm saying. You're not going to want what the world wants no more, y'all. You don't believe what the world is believing. I got some folk in here right now that are still believing what the world believes and they think is right. Yeah. Because you ain't been in the word of God. Long enough, it seems what seems to be right ain't right. This is why God have people around you to tell you what's right and what ain't right. Because you cannot discern it for yourself. Even though you have discerning of spirits, it is blocked by fleshly things. You cannot entertain the flesh. Those who are attaining the flesh are not in the spirit. That's why God tell you what, he even lay out what flesh is. Only thing you got to do is go in Galatians 5 and check it off and see if your flesh acting like any of those fleshly things. And you know where you are. If you don't see no fruit or no spirit, if you see more flesh than you see fruit, (laughs) something wrong. Come on, check yourself. Nobody don't have to tell you about yourself if you in the word. You know who you need to separate from. If you got a friend that's always telling you, come on, girl, let's get our drink on. 
You can drink a little bit. Even Jesus, he turned water into wine. That's telling you drink. And then you'd be like, he sure did. <laughs> he sure did a little bit. Wouldn't hurt. And girl, you know, they probably had that marijuana over there then too. Girl, you know, they probably did. The Bible don't tell you everything. That's what John said. Everything ain't told. Sure, you're right, girl. Then you start smoking that, that weed and stuff and you start seeing into another world. And then you say, I seen angels. Truth. This is true. Cause that's what drugs do. Drugs take you into witchcraft. It takes you into another realm and you thinking it's a Holy Ghost realm, but it ain't. You seeing everything but Jesus. So this is what I'm saying. The more you get in touch with him in the word, the less you would want with what the world has. If you got to pull things out the world to satisfy you, you ain't got where you need to be with Jesus yet. If you looking for things to satisfy you because they look good, you ain't got into Jesus yet. If you got to have it because somebody else got it, what do we call that? Hello? Covetness. If I got to have what Miss Deborah got and I ain't gonna be satisfied till I get it, then see, I'm, I'm, I haven't separated myself. Because I'm looking at what she have and I'm saying I need what she got. That's not God. So we want to make sure that we're living separate lives. And I'm going to more scripture next week if it's the Lord's will because God said it's time for my people that are called by my name. <laughs> The ones that say that they know me. The world's supposed to know that you know me. They're supposed to be able to tell you apart from them. They're supposed to look at you and say, oh, you are Christian. And you're supposed to be proud of it. They're supposed to say that I know who you are. You are Christian. Let me tell you something. When I really started serving Jesus and doing what's right, Child, my name got all over, pinned all over everywhere before I can even get where I'm going. Here she come. I didn't even have to introduce myself. Me and my husband will go places. What place we went? And the lady looked at me. She said, you that girl on, you that lady on that TV. I had on my mask, remember? It was just recently. <laughs> and I said, huh? <laughs> I forgot I was on TV. Y'all, I did. I just looked at her. I said, huh? She said, I watch you every morning at 6 o'clock. I said, well, praise Jesus. Yeah, that was that one. It was another lady that reckon, people recognize you. And you don't supposed to change, y'all. You're supposed to be the same. If we got to change in front of people and act Christ-like when we're around people, but act like a heathen when we get home, something is wrong. Your husbands and family don't want no heathen at home. They want Jesus. So we're supposed to be the same all the way around. We don't come up in here and say, bless the Lord. How you doing, baby? God is good. Hallelujah. Then get home and say, ninja, if you don't get out of my face. <laughs> Something's wrong with that. And just laugh out of Clem. Everybody know who you are. Well, you, 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 at, 
You ain't no Christian. Oh, you getting mad? Don't tell me I ain't no Christian. You ain't nothing but the devil. That's what you are. Nothing but the devil. Let your light shine before men so your father, God, can be glorified in heaven. And y'all, we will mess up sometime, but the, the greatest thing about messing up is getting up and realizing that you messed up and have a change of mind that you don't go in the same direction again. That's what he want us to do. Recognize what you did was wrong and just get back up and follow Christ. That's letting people know that you live in a separate life. And even when you do wrong or say something wrong, you go back to the people you said something wrong to and say, forgive me. What I said was not right. It was inappropriate. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Guess what they're going to say when people talk about, you No, that ain't the person you're talking about. Cause that person, they will apologize because they have apologized to me. No, something is wrong with that picture. People know you. By how you live. You don't have to take up for yourself. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Even when they're lying, you don't have to say nothing. Just go on in Jesus' name. So it's time for us, y'all, to live a life apart from what this world is doing. We don't do what people are doing to get attention. And one way we get attention, and I'm going to lay it out again. Facebook getting more attention than Jesus. New pictures, new clothes. They even want people to know where they're at. They go to the doctor, they got to show the doctor's room. Only thing you don't see on Facebook, maybe I ain't seen it, but maybe y'all have, them sitting on the toilet. But everything else is open. People show everything. They new pictures, Christians. Can any Christian tell me, not unless God has put a light above your head and you can't explain it, why you change your profile for people to see? The floor is open. Somebody help me with that. Why do people change their profiles on Facebook? Christian folk. See me, hear me, be attached to me. Is there another reason why people change their profiles? Why would you want somebody to know you look better? I'm going to come with it. Somebody help me. Nobody didn't want to talk about what I'm talking about tonight. Let's just be real. Did, why would I want to show somebody my different hairdo except you? Why would I want their approval? Anybody? You like it. Don't y'all know people lie on Facebook? They'll tell you you look good just for you to keep that profile for everybody to laugh at you and they know you ain't looking good. Y'all ain't figured it out yet, girl. You know, you look good in them jeans. Girl, wear them jeans. And everything just loopy. <laughs> Come on, we're we going to talk, y'all. We're going we're gonna to be serious about this because y'all going to have some homework. You're going to have some homework because we're seeing it everywhere on social media. Social media is killing folk. 
I mean, people are committing suicide because of this social media, because they're comparing themselves amongst themselves and it's not wise. You got young kids who look at somebody else's profile and what they done and they're figuring why I ain't done this yet. Why am, why am I left out? Why I don't look like that yet? Why they look better than me? I need to change my hairstyle. I need to lose some weight. I need a boyfriend now. Man, I need somebody. Because of social media. And we Christians, we're doing what they do. Oh, look what my husband got me. And did it surprise you he got it? So now you're putting it on Facebook? Is that it? Somebody answer. Nobody want to answer me tonight. What's up? Help me out. We need to let people know that you don't just get on Facebook to get approval from nobody. When you got approval for God through Jesus Christ, why do you need anybody else approval? Hello? Anybody? Okay. Well, I'm going to close there because we're going to really get heated. Next Tuesday, it's going to really get heated dealing with separation, and we're going to see just how separated we are. Not through condemning anybody, but through the word. Because the word will speak to us and the word will show us where we are and where we need to be, y'all. And that's why I love the word of God so much. Because if God get me, I'm going to bring it to you. Not just to make you feel bad, but that's what he want us to do. I got to share the love. Hey, we all human, right? Do we have any announcements? Yes, honey.